positions of hopelessness and helplessness. The government gives them the drugs, builds bigger prisons, passes a three-strike law, and then wants us to sing God Bless America. No, no, no. Okay, what are we talking about? <laughs> Man, we're so good at podcasting. It's crazy. Well, it's not my thing. Someone start. Hey, yo, I thought, okay. Oh, should I intro the show? Hello, I'm Jake Flores. That's Anders yeah. Lee. <laughs> yes, you should. Anders Lee is uh, here. Anders Lee here. Alex Patak is here. Thanks for having me, Jake. Let's get rocking. Thank you. Alex Patacula, riding the back of my Patacula. Slamming it! Oh, slamming it, sorry. Did you <laughs> Did you know that actually if you look up what the Dragula is, it's like not the cool... It's So the monsters it's have... the monsters car. Yeah, but they have two like hot rods, and the one that has like a back isn't the Dragula. It's, the Dragula is like the one that the old grandpa rides that doesn't have a back and doesn't look cool like at all. They can't keep getting away with it. <laughs> <laughs> the lies the media tells, when will it end? <laughs> and I think that's actually an interesting transition about the limits of language. True. What we say and what we mean when we say slam in the back of my Dragula. Right. I think. I, we're throwing I, this out there for you to segue, man. And you're just. You're just well, I, I was about to like, say. And when Eminem has that like line where he's supposed to jump in an eight mile, and the crowd's just watching him, and that guy's on the side like choke, choke. <laughs> <laughs> um, eight mile, but instead of rap battles, it's like pod- live podcasting. It's a giant <laughs> podcast. That's studio. a really salient point, says right. Eminem. Who can do the best takes and segues? Yeah, uh, I know something about you. Yeah, That's really thoughtful. I was I was put on the spot here a little bit. I was in the middle of searching um and i was going to do my introduction in a really unique way that was going to spark a good conversation and be a great segue we could start over i'm not going to take anything out but just start just start over forget everything i've ever said okay um that's jake flores that's anders lee (laughs) jake flores here anders lee chitaye (laughs) what does he mean by that did you just say Chiatai? I said Chitaye. Anders Lee Chitaye. Um, I think that's how I'm supposed to say it. Spelled S I space T I E. That is a unique language that a lot of people don't know about. It's called Esperanto. Oh. Uh, you say shite to say I'm here? <laughs> wow. Chitaye. I think that's, yeah, Chitaye. That kind of sounds like a martial art, the more you say it. Who came up with this language, fat bastard? <laughs> <laughs> just yeah. kidding. <laughs> yeah, I think you're speaking Scottish, friend. Okay, so you're speaking Esperanto. Why? Uh, well, I, I just read an interesting article about it. Oh. In the latest issue of Jacobin uh, <laughs> by, by Gregor Benton, uh, apparently, and I didn't even know 
what the fuck it was until a couple months ago. A buddy of mine started learning it, and I was like, oh, they speak that in, you know, the Esperanto region of Spain, is what I thought. What did you guys think Esperanto was when you first heard of it? Well, yeah, España, Esperanta. I mean, the first time I heard of it, it was someone telling me, did you know that there's a completely made-up language that is not fixed to any geographic location? Uh, spoilers for Esperanto, if you haven't seen it yet. <laughs> yeah, it's, I mean, maybe this is a critique of the name. It sounds a bit too much like it could be a dialect of Spanish. It definitely you know, much sounds like they have European. Like, it sounds like, well, uh, what do you call them? The Latin languages? It sounds like it could be one of those, sure. It, it definitely sounds like a romance. the colonizer. Hmm. I think I heard a song in Esperanto once, and someone explained to me, like, this is in this made-up language. You know somebody made up a language? Oh, interesting. We'll have to play that out. Um, but George R.R. R. Martin's friggin' the way he talks? Come on. Come yeah, on. You know, it could be, you know, there are the Atlantean. They invented that for the uh, cartoon movie Atlantis. Uh, they That's have linguists. Pole, yes. Right. They have linguists who just are their job is to make up languages for movies. Yeah, that's um, um I mean uh George R. R. Martin was a a bad a bad reference for me. The obvious one, J.R.R. Tolkien. Right. Different R's is just talking nonsense all live long day, and he's like, That's how pixies talk. That's a whole language, that's how pixies talk, and you just have to go, Oh, I didn't realize. Mm. But it's like he went to college for that. Like <laughs> he went to Gibgob school to come right. up with Orc. Kling Klingon. They have their own language. That apparently nerds have like deconstructed from watching the TV show and like made rules for, and you can speak insane. Yeah, right. I'd say that I would want to do this for a job, but as I've learned about myself and learning languages, there's more to it than just words, than just making up words for things. If that was all there is, I would love that, (laughs) and uh, I'd be a millionaire. But uh, you have to come up with conjugation and different, you know. Tenses and all yeah, you that. Any grammar, too. Pr- it can't just be vocab. Yeah. There's yeah. a problem. Uh, if you yeah, they sh- if you speak Rose in the Roseanne uh, tense, it's uh, k- kiss my ass. Our pronouns. Uh huh. <laughs> That's true. They can work as postpositions, clarifying the subject. Uh-huh. Oh God! Just let's inform Roseanne of the existence of Esperanto and see what it does to her brain. Roseanne yes. speaks in the subjunctive form. I don't know what that means. Subjunctive. Interesting. I remember hearing that on the from drunk. Spanish class. I don't. I also don't remember what it means. About Roseanne specifically? Yeah, they taught yeah, us so about I remember Roseanne. hearing that about Roseanne in Spanish class. Anyway, <laughs> tell me more about Esperanto. So, uh, so it was invented by this guy, Ludwig Zemenhof, who was born in the mid-19th century and grew up uh, in Lithuania around a bunch of different people who spoke different languages, uh, many of whom were Jewish, but there were also Orthodox, Russians, the people speaking German, Catholic, Poles. There's all this, these different languages floating around. And uh, he was like, a, and he really thought that the ethnic tensions embroiled in his living situation as a young man um, were ca- caused by, maybe not solely caused by, but at least uh, definitely accelerated by people not being able to understand each other in a very literal manner. Sure. Um, so at first he was like, why don't we modify Yiddish just to unify Jews? Um, Finally. 
Yeah, if you think about it, Jews are really the Esperanto of ethnic groups. Of religions. Uh, you know what's fucked up is I think I kind of understand what you mean by that. Yeah. <laughs> because they're I not... mean, you could say that also of, you know, like Kurds or <clears throat> there are, you know, um there are groups without without a specific landed uh, because their god right. is made up. You're saying because they're not fixed historically to a state, oh, at to least a location. They yes. weren't oh. before Israel, and that during the like the the t- period of you know revolutions where European places were like forming into states and stuff. That's what caused them to be singularly different and fry everyone's brain and everyone in europe had jew derangement syndrome which right. is also known as anti-semitism yes that's where that this comes is from. actually the left uh case against the state of israel is it is a natural abomination like fixing esperanto to a fixed region what if yeah what if this what if we make an esperanto state and it becomes like a real bad idea mm, yeah <laughs> where would it be it's just like it's taken over by people from reddit like, I mean, my gut reaction is Spain, but that's because I've learned <laughs> nothing about it still. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like a type of coffee. It does. It, does. it sounds good. Espresso. Yeah, it, smells, it sounds like yeah, someone made espresso wrong. Um, but it's actually the name Esperanto means the hoping one. Um, I'm not oh. sure what language it means that in. It might be Esperanto. I would guess Esperanto. <laughs> well, that was a that's a, that was like a trick. Yeah. Um. B- b- so Zamenhof at first he tries to just do a a universal Yiddish, and then he's like, let's go even further, um, because he thought this could be a step towards world peace if there's like a universal understanding. And I think there's definitely something to that. Like, uh, if people can communicate better, then uh, they're going to understand one another better. Um, and that's the appeal, uh, but it's a double-edged sword, right? Because you have colonizer languages, which do increase communication, uh, but it's something that's imposed. But he's trying to do kind of the opposite of that, is people are coming together and creating a language uh, out of something new. Um, that it's is because not... it's not fixed to a state. Right. What if we created our own language and we only podcasted in it? That could really help our numbers, I think. I've been trying to come up with new stuff for us. Yeah. <laughs> I think people would making a us. new language and uh, expecting people to learn it from the ground up. <laughs> um, so apparently it's a, it is actually a pretty simple language. So if even if you're a moron like me, you might be able to learn it. Uh, the grammar has 16 rules. Spelling is all phonetic. The nouns are genderless. Just Verbs how I like them. Are What's that? Just how I like them. Just how I like them. The nouns are all they, thems. They all have that they, them pussy. All right, keep going. They're all kiss my ass. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Verbs are regular and uninflected. And uh, it it does have some, it's it's weird. When you listen to it, it it can sound like Spanish. Sometimes it sounds like German. It's it's a weird uh, sort of mishmash of things. Um, But... uh, Long story short, Nazis hate it. Oh. Um, <laughs> they can't so stand do it. This one trick. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so do just like nationalists all over. So like in, in the early Soviet Union, there was a um, Soviet Esperanto sort of organization. And they were like, this is a good communist thing. But um, eventually that fell out of favor there. And then in uh, 
probably I absolutely absolutely see Russian Anders Lee spearheading <laughs> the Soviet Esperanto coalition in 1918. I've always I've heard that like throughout history, including now, that's just they've only ever been able to get like 75 people in a room to have a convention about this and it's just never spread like <laughs> the way that it's supposed to come on guys right. Glorb. <laughs> yeah. yeah i mean the fact that this is infused with like radical history uh and socialist history means there are a lot of splits within the esperanto community um oh there's a heated debate over whether to say boop bip or gloop blah blah <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but it was, um, I guess we were kind of right because we were talking about Spain. Probably its most effective uh, era and uh, most prominent use was during the Spanish Civil War. Get the fuck um, out. That tracks. <clears throat> That's cool. Yeah. yeah, because, you know, you had anarchists and socialists coming there from all around the world to fight the big bad Franco. Um, well, you, like, this is almost like a little ignorant, but... Revolutionary Catalonia has a lot of people who are like really into being communist, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like there's a few revolutions where it's like, well, we're already killing each other. I guess I'm a communist now. Whereas that one, they're like, look, I made a new color. We're all going to wear it. Right. The dream was really alive. It was like the original uh, autonomous zone type thing, you know? Instead of TV shows, we'll have VB shows. I don't know what that is yet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so uh, this this um, it's obviously a threat to fascist nationalist movements. Uh, it doesn't command that big of a social base, so it's easy to demonize if you're a fascist. Hitler really didn't like it um, for many reasons, not least of which was that uh, Zamenhof was a Jew. Um, so, oh my god, he actually writes about it in Mein Kampf. It gets a, a reference, really. Uh, Esperanto shout out in Mein yeah. Kampf. <laughs> it's Must yeah, one of the things I'm struggling with is understanding this fucking language. <laughs> Jesus Christ, must have missed that on my last pass through that book, which I read all the time. <laughs> <laughs> the good book, but Hitler calls it a secret language, which is used by the Jews as a weapon. Which is kind of weird because there are there's already Yiddish right there, um, you know. I don't know why they would need to make up a, like a a secret one that they don't <laughs> right. advertise, I guess. Um, but yeah, obviously not a lot of logic there. But it it gets attacked as a mongrel language, uh, and for a little bit in Nazi Germany, there is a group of Nazis that are like, I guess, the equivalent to the alt right, like nerds. Who were like we like Esperanto and we we are also Nazis. We're Nazis, but, but we love to read. Yeah, but they get <laughs> shut down pretty quickly. I can uh, see how like fascists, you know, because they're traditionalists, would be like against a new language. And they'd be like, no, the one that we're speaking is like the good one. Be conveniently, right. the only one I know is the best language. Type logic. Yeah, I can see it going both ways though, because the other <clears throat> end of fascism is. Uh, it is also utopian in its own way. Yeah. To say, like, oh, after we kill all the people we don't like, there's a new language coming yeah. here. And we all have to learn it or you're shot. I could see it going either way for sure. Yeah. Good point. Yeah, I mean, this it really is a utopian thing because in order for it to work, like, everybody around the world has to kind of come together and speak it and learn it and teach it to each other. Um 
at once, which is like for a while kind of looked like what was going to happen with English, except as like I was saying earlier, that was through, you know, subjugation and domination. And this is would have to be through uh, cooperation. Um, uh, yeah, a you, series of night classes that kick off. I mean, it's an interesting side by side Esperanto versus English in terms of how they are spread. Uh, how did that play out? Which one? Uh, which one? Hey, what are we speaking won? right now? Well, uh, <laughs> yeah, but give it, I don't know, 50 years. Uh, I think English could take a could take a hit potentially. Oh, yeah. I thought you were going to be like, give 50 years. We're all going to be speaking Esperanto. <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> I mean, Wait hopefully for it. What if we brutally enforce Esperanto onto some other people? Esperanto at the end of a gun. Yeah, yeah. you never know. Could as be we call them a clorb. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think it's it's interesting that, that it never took body. off in uh, Stalin's <clears throat> Soviet Union because, you know, as we all know, he was trying to build socialism in one country. So this kind of like uh, hippy-dippy internationalist um, nerd shit was not part of the deal so i think it like it would have to be just the the nature of it unless it's it really does become an esperanto ethno state which would be very difficult because it's not very interesting yeah uh i think it would have to be only only people only learn it for good reasons this is a fun unless there's some really messed up family situation that i'm not thinking of but um, (laughs) i was saying this is a there's a a funny counterfactual you could do where stalin foregoes um the great leap not greatly for the five-year plans uh-huh. and just goes all in on esperanto <laughs> everyone drop what you're doing pick up esperanto after you learn to read learn esperanto oh i'm sure there was some like bolshevik or you know ultra at the time who was uh who was saying they should do that and the thing about them is they all look good in hindsight right after yeah. stalin like anybody who was like saying we should have done this instead they look like they're a genius, but I'm sure there was many of them who had very crazy ideas, uh, including the Esperanto <laughs> accelerationism. Um, can, you, yeah, uh, can you do Duolingo with it? Well, it's I not think called Duolingo. I, I'm pretty sure it's you can. It's called Ringo Jarn. Yeah, I think that's what my friend is doing, yeah. Um, but yeah, a lot of the Esperantists were put in concentration camps, many of, oh, no. because they already had, you know, political commitments that were um, anti-Nazi. Or Yeah, but if you got put in just for the Esperanto, <laughs> like, what badge did they give you? You, know? you have the really unpopular badge. You can't hang out with anybody in the camps. <laughs> yeah. Um, they give you a tattoo with a new set of numbers. <laughs> So the, after Stalin died, there was uh, what's called in the article a controlled revival, uh, and Esperanto starts to trickle around a bit more. Um, it there were some places Italy had actually lasted until 1941, um, which is doing pretty good, but is to this day actually pretty popular in China, specifically among Chinese anarchists. Uh, who still broadcast it um, over some Chinese radio stations. Chinese um, TikTok is all Esperanto. It's <laughs> wild over there. Yeah. Even in the Cultural Revolution was pro-Esperanto, oddly enough. so That's awesome. I'm all for this. God, I'm yeah. an Esperanto accelerationist now that I know what it is. 
Ten do minutes we, later. Do we have to start speaking this fucking language now? Yes. <laughs> or behind. Yeah. It'd be kind of cool if we all knew a secret language that cops were too dumb to understand. You got to approach this from like a nationalist perspective. Like fighting the new Cold War can only be done in Esperanto. We have to win the 21st century. Yeah, how would they demonize us? That would be interesting. Almost worth it to see Donald Trump talking about Esperanto. This this new language is out there speaking the beep boops and gleep loops. (laughs) I don't know what they're saying. They're making words up. They're making them up. They're not real words. Yeah. Yeah. Man, that's fun to imagine. Someone plug in AI Donald Trump to Esperanto and just... (laughs) Oh, him speaking Esperanto. Computer aneurysm. No, go ahead. I was going to say, it does kind of ruin the Donald Trump impression for me now that you can just have the robot do it perfectly every time, <laughs> but I I still enjoy it from time to time. You mean James Austin Johnson? Yeah. Well, ro- he did it first, <laughs> but now like you, anybody can just make the robot do it. Yeah. I bet the robot yeah. used him like to create the robot, you know? It's hard to tell because he sounds so much like actual Donald Trump. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, you know what would be cool uh, is if you could spray graffiti in Esperanto. That way the cops mm. and the government would not understand what you were saying. Right. And we could say it to each other. Like a, I mean, you can do that. <laughs> I, but we would have to fucking learn this language. You just have to learn Esperanto. I'm sorry. There's a lot of like, you know, it's easy to get cynical as a leftist sometimes about the stuff. Certain projects we're trying to get off the ground. This is low on my list of ones that I think is actually going to work. Just do it. <laughs> I'll, I'll start the fucking caucus, dude. <laughs> Shut up, man. Just graffiti Esperanto. Um, the reason I say that is because I'm I'm segueing into our interview today, which is with a, um, <clears throat> a person uh, who, well, that's part of their story. I don't want to give away uh, the entire thing because it is an interesting tale, but um, they are an activist and, among other things, a graffiti artist uh, or person who tags and shit and something happened. Uh, so without further ado, let's segue into uh, my interview with uh, a friend of ours who needs your help raising money against the fucking federal government that they're getting fined by um, because of uh, stuff that I just mentioned. Um, I'm t- having trouble segueing because I don't. We're, this person is not telling you their name. This isn't an anonymous interview, but ah. their GoFundMe link will be in the uh, show notes. So, and now to, uh, I'll, I'll say their name in Esperanto, I guess, so that yeah. no one can understand. Now to Flublanchne. <laughs> Okay, we're recording. Um, hello. All right. So I'm now talking to somebody I'm just going to refer to uh, completely anonymously as we picked a letter X. Why not? Hello, X. Hi. <laughs> thank you for having me. Um, yeah. So uh, the reason for anonymity will, I guess, become more apparent as we tell this story. But uh, I wanted to talk to you about um, what you're currently uh raising money for but in order to get there i guess we should start way back at the beginning so tell me i guess where when does this start like 2020 
Yeah, so it starts the this whole story definitely starts like 2020 um, after the video of George Floyd's murder was released. So that's when, you know, shit really started going down across the country, obviously, and people were making their, you know, grievances heard and fighting back against this bullshit system. And um, yeah, so that's how I started to get involved in the movement, um, movement at large, anti-fascism, anti-racism, abolition, and all that. <laughs> totally. Uh, <clears throat> yeah. Uh, I Same. I was out there in the streets in New York City. Um, got arrested myself. Uh, listeners of the show know that story. They stole my bike, uh, etc. <laughs> but yeah, I, so we can probably a lot of us relate to that moment three years ago so uh what happened though three years ago is crazy to hear because like in my mind it's like it was just yesterday but shit yeah it's three years ago i know um yeah so pretty much the first day i was out there um people in la will probably know about what went down in fairfax district um it was pretty crazy uh you know the police had kettled people on rodeo people were busting into all the stores over there. It was really like beautiful to see, you know, people just taking their power back. And my very first day out there, I ended up getting shot really close range with a rubber bullet. Um, ended up my, my thigh pretty much from my knee to my hip bone was completely like black and blue. I couldn't walk for a while. It got infected. Um, and so that kind of just really like, I was already, I've kind of been coming from a place of like a leftist perspective for most of my life. Um, I was lucky enough not to have a conservative upbringing. (laughs) Um, but that really radicalized me, like being out there and seeing, I I saw a homie get shot in the eye right next to me. So from the very first moment that I was out there, she was popping off, like, police cars on fire, like, you know, every store in sight, like busted into and the cops just like open firing on everyone, you know, trying to round them up. And so, um, that day I tried to, so after I got shot, they started trying to round everybody up to arrest everyone. And I tried to escape through a store. So I tried to get out the back of a store and that's when I had my first encounter with neo-Nazis. So on the very first day, I ended up having to fight off uh, neo-Nazis who had like glocks on them that were trying to stop me from escaping through the back of the store. They tried to grab me and I ended up just like punching them in the balls and (laughs) ducking through their legs (laughs) and getting out of there. (laughs) Damn, nice. Um, But so, yeah, so off rip, I got radicalized pretty hard and I realized, you know, Hands up, kumbaya probably isn't going to make a ton of change. So um, that's also, um, you know, I have a background in graffiti. Been doing graffiti for a long time. So I just kept going out there. You know, I ended up getting arrested two days later um, in one of the huge mass arrests that happened. Um, And that just started a long chain of I probably got arrested six times in 2020. Mm. (laughs) I, I got arrested over and over and over again. Arrest, release, you know. Yeah. Um, and unbeknownst to me, um, there was a reason that I was continuously getting arrested. Um, it started with just mass arrest. Then 
I started to get picked out of the crowd, I felt like. And, um, you know, I was, I was always, you know, whenever we were all in like marching, you know, I'll catch a tag here and there, put up a quick, you know, like everything from like Black Lives Matter to like fuck the pigs to like, sure. you know, reparations, land back. The hits. Um, but so, yeah, that's when I started to notice about like at the end of the year, I was noticing that um, I was getting targeted in this strange way. But, um, you know, I always felt like it's better me than somebody else is how I feel about it. Sure. Because me not being a person of color, like I'm out there fighting for, you know, just to like name a few folks like. You know, I I want to always say Dijon Kesey's name. I always want to say Anthony McLean's name. People who got killed in 2020 in Los Angeles after the death of George Floyd um, that weren't necessarily publicized in the same way. Right. Um, and so, you know, I was like, if I'm getting arrested, it means that, you know, maybe someone else isn't going to get arrested. Maybe, I, you know, if I'm getting shot up or arrested or whatever, then at least it's me. It's better me than, you know, any of these other people who maybe don't have the same privileges that I do. Um, yeah, that's kind of how I felt about it, too. I was like, I had some money in the bank, you know, I was like, fine to clog up the system. Yeah. Sure. That shit definitely messed me up, like, mentally, financially and all that. But it was one of those things where, yeah, like. I am I'm never going to walk down the street and have a cop like shoot me just because like wrong place, wrong time. fits the description. You know, that's not going to happen to me. Like these things happen to, you know, people who are activists that are white. Like it happens because we like only because we're fighting for people of color. If we were just going to sit there and not say anything about it, like we would completely we wouldn't have these problems. Right. We wouldn't be dealing with any kind of like police oppression in any sense more than everyone in America deals with police oppression, you know, of course. Um, yeah. But so, <clears throat> yeah, like I definitely wasn't um, super cautious. Right. I, I was like, whatever, fuck it. If I get arrested, I get arrested. Like, it's not a big deal. Um, <laughs> but I guess they started to use that as an opportunity to gather Intel on me. Um, and I guess going back to my originally, the, the reason that all this has happened is, um, there was a protest that was held in LA, um, in solidarity with folks up in Portland who were getting just brutalized by the feds like every night. Right, um, yeah, I remember that. Yeah. So that was, I was part of, um, I was, I participated in that protest and, you know, shit went down that day, you know, like a bunch of federal buildings got, you know, fucked up. And, um, it was, it was cool to see like the people having power and everything like that. Um, and, and being able to just not feel fear, right. People weren't scared at that time. I don't think people realize the level of surveillance and the amount of resources that the government is willing to waste on leftist activism. Um, so at that point is when all this really started to go downhill for me, but I didn't even know it until last year. Okay. So unbeknownst to me from that day up until now, um, 
the federal government had been investigating me. Um, so <laughs> yeah, so that's, okay. that's kind of where it all started was, um, J two five. Okay. All right. I see. So, uh, things get worse from here. Yeah. Yeah. This is where shit started to get. So in, in my mind, I'm just going out protesting, getting arrested, all that. But, um, there is, a a real targeted attack against anti-fascist activism in this country, as right. we all know. Yeah. Um, and these conspiracy theorists that, you know, are online posting in these forums, they're the same people who are running the government. They're the same people with the badges, you know, and they will stop at nothing to lock up anybody who expresses political dissent, um, no matter how minor the dissent may be. So I pled guilty so i can admit it yeah i tagged the federal courthouse it is what it is cool you know (laughs) (laughs) yeah i caught a tag on the federal courthouse um and i didn't think really nothing of it at all you know but because of that simple thing just minor property destruction got pressure washed off the next day the federal government decided to wage a two-year-long investigation against me. Against a graffiti and, artist. That's so stupid. Yeah. <laughs> Just graffiti. I didn't even break a window. Nothing. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I think maybe they were pissed off because of what I wrote. You know, but I think that they're mad because if, if I had just done like a tag and I had said like, you know, Trump 2020. Yeah. What if it said like all cops are great or something, you know? <laughs> yeah. I don't think they would have cared at all. <laughs> um, yeah. And I mean, the, I, the insurrection is from January 6th barely got this treatment. So yeah, they, I, one of the days I got arrested, we had gone out to um, protest in the neighborhood that Dijon Kesey had been murdered in by um, LASD. And Everyone else got their property uh, returned when they got released, right? But for some reason, um, they never returned my property. They kept my phone. Um, And that's when I really started to first get a suspicion Mm. um, that something was going on. Um, My next really weird experience was on January 6th. So on the same day, January 6th, 2021, that um, the right-wing fuckers decided to do an insurrection... In Los Angeles, there was kind of like a micro scale version of that where they tried to um, break into City Hall. Oh, I and know yeah, it it was really pathetic, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> um, it was messed up though. They ended up like committing a bunch of like random hate crimes, like um, and there was a bunch of like brawls in the street, everything like that. And I wasn't involved in none of that. I was I was kind of just sitting on the sidelines at that time, observing, um, you know, trying to document everything. Um, And randomly towards the end of the protest, um, some of the right wingers point at me and they just say to the cops, arrest her. And there was no, I was just literally talking to someone. Like I wasn't doing anything illegal, you know, and the cops arrested me. They, they charged in, they grabbed me out of nowhere. And I was like, okay, this is weird, right? This feels targeted. Yeah, it's really weird and spooky. It was super bizarre. Um, I know that uh, Vishal, Vishal Singh, good homie, um, did some reporting on it. Um, always, 
always out there really like getting the good footage and mm-hmm. actually telling the truth. So shout out to him. Um, but so yeah, that was bizarre. And I ended up getting charged that day with unlawful assembly, even though there was like 15 right wingers on the same corner yeah. <laughs> where I got arrested that didn't get an unlawful assembly charge. Um, so yeah, uh, got released yet again. Um, but so for that, you know, 2021 is when shit started to kind of die down. Right. So I wasn't out like every single day anymore, or even every week. Um, most of the work we were doing at that time was mutual aid, um, harm reduction. You know, I work with the harm reduction collective. Um, so things like that, uh, you know, just trying to support the community, you know, just all facets of abolition. Right. Um, and I was, I was couch surfing at the time. I didn't have a place of my own. Um, but I started to notice at certain locations where I had been staying, where I had maybe like given my address to like sign up for EBT or whatever. Um, I was noticing like, like big black vans. Right. And I thought that was a little weird. Um, and once in a while there'd be like a federal protective services car, um, but yeah, unmarked vans, just weird stuff. Yeah. And you know, that, you know, it's not, you know, we live in a big city. It's not like completely unusual to see that kind of thing. And I would kind of like, I would say stuff to my homies. I'd be like, yo, there's like these vans outside to be like, you know, like you're paranoid. Like, yeah, you know, we've all been through classic, yeah. like, is that really the, the, the black van, black van, or is it just a black van? kind of thing totally and like you know we've been hearing all these stories of like people over in portland and seattle just getting straight snatched off the street in these vans so i think everybody was a little paranoid but yeah like i was like there's no way you know yeah um (laughs) that that stuff happened like you know also going back even before 2020 like um this just i got reported on like a tiny amount and it just nobody ever talked about it again but they black bagged a bunch of people after ferguson and there's like no explanation of people just got disappeared. So, uh, yeah, no, I think you're right to be paranoid. Sure. Or you were. No, yeah, for sure. They literally will just grab people and like not say nothing about it, not let them make a phone call. Like, that's a big part of this system where people are like, oh my God, I have rights. Like, I remember the first time I got arrested, I was like, you're supposed to do this and this and this. Like, I know the law, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And they're just like, nah, fuck you. <laughs> they're like, fuck yeah. you. I don't care about People the that law. say that uh, have not been arrested that much, I think, because it's <laughs> like, um, you know, theoretical, but not in practice. Yeah. I mean, the entire, yeah, the whole thing's bogus. All of our quote unquote rights and freedoms in the free country is like, you know, obviously we live in a fascist regime, but. You know, propaganda deludes us into thinking otherwise. Um, but yeah, I think for a lot of people in my life, especially like older people, family members of mine have really had their eyes open to like the extremity of what a fascist country we're in now, seeing the links that they went to. So, um, so yeah, the, I was weirded, like weirded out by these vans and everything. <laughs> and, um, Eventually, fast forward to like March, I think, 2022. So I'd been just living my life, 
not engaging in any kind of criminal activity, nothing like that. Um, <laughs> Feds, if you're listening. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> yeah, me neither. <laughs> Never even heard of such a thing. Yeah, just an absolute model citizen, perfect angel. Um, but so, <laughs> yeah, I come to find out that um, a place that I had stayed at previously that I had used to sign up for my EBT card. Um, ended up getting raided by SWAT. So SWAT straight up went in there, busted open the door. And, um, you know, luckily I wasn't there, (laughs) but, um, that's crazy. Yeah. It was crazy to hear about. I, you know, I didn't know about it for some time because I, you know, like I said, I wasn't there, but eventually, you know, one of the people who was living in the house gets in contact with me and was like, yo, like they just came and they were asking it. So, Nobody really knows my name. I don't go by my government name. Mm. So, you know, and, and of course, this the, one of the reasons I want to tell this story is to help people who might be engaging in activism on the ground and for people to know what not to do and what to do. Right. Sure. So one thing that um, happened is the person who lived in the house um, ended up opening their bedroom door because the cops got into the house. Right. But they weren't allowed to just go into everyone's room because the way it was rented. Right. So each room was rented separately. Oh, I see. But so yeah, the SWAT team, um, office, um, who is just someone with no life. Who's the investigator on this case, uh, goes in there and questions some people who live there asking if they knew of someone by my government name. But because I don't go by my government name, they genuinely couldn't say yes that they knew me. Right. Even if they wanted to go and snitch the cops and talk about me, they couldn't do it because they have no idea who these cops are referring to. Right. So I definitely, if anyone is out there and they're protesting and they're involved in this kind of thing, like it definitely like using an alias is helpful because it's, it definitely gives you a level of protection um, versus like letting everyone know your government name and being open about that, you know? Totally. Um, so yeah, SWAT team in the house. And once I find out, you know, I start kind of weighing my options, um, figuring out how I want to handle it. Um, at that point they were still looking for me. So there was a warrant out for my arrest. At that point they called my family members who live in a different state. Um, interrogating my family members about me um and just going to different addresses looking for me um again they couldn't find me but um and that i wasn't evading or nothing i just like was couch surfing so (laughs) (laughs) right and like (laughs) probably didn't think you had reason to be right because this is all over like graffiti and shit and just like protesting yeah, exactly. Like, I didn't think, like, I was, whenever that happened, whenever I heard about the SWAT team, I was like, I fucking knew it, bro. I, was like, <laughs> I knew those vans. <laughs> I was like, I, y'all were calling me crazy. Y'all were calling me paranoid, but these vans were outside. Like, they yeah. were steady watching me. I had a, a so, similarly vindicating moment recently when people used to say I was crazy for thinking that a lot of strange men on the internet had it out for me, but one of them. Followed me to a show recently. Similar vibes. <laughs> ah, yeah. See, that shit's scary as hell. Like, 
same thing like with me like um those like nazi guys who like attacked me like in the very first day like i ended up just interacting with so many like neo-nazis and stuff like that where those fools will stalk you like they will follow you home like they got nothing better to do i swear to god fascists are so pathetic they're like they really be the epitome of just people who like sit at home on their computer looking to dox people like it's so sad they definitely um, love the computer those guys anyway uh, (laughs) keyboard warriors for sure they talk real big on the internet yeah so um okay so what happened next yeah yeah so so at that point, I weigh my options and I lawyer up, like off rip. Before I even do anything with the police, I decide to lawyer up, right? And I'm not going to try to like run. I'm not going to be like, oh, I'm just going to go start a new life in Mexico or whatever. Because at this point, I'm aware of that. I, I find out that it's property destruction charge, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm like, federal property destruction? I was like, I didn't even do anything. Like, I literally was racking my brain being like, what could this possibly be like, you know, cause I don't really like, I haven't done nothing crazy. So I'm like, there's no way that it's about like me just catching a quick tag on a building. Like there's no way in hell. Apparently there is. So I ended up getting a lawyer, a mm. public defender. And, um, I set up a meeting with, the feds right so i get my lawyer and i decided to turn myself in because you know i just wanted to deal with this so because they didn't capture me i wasn't sitting in jail for like months and months and months waiting to be like to get my hearing right right i turned myself we scheduled that the hearing that day so i turned myself in and i go to the judge that day so that was definitely like a good move. Uh, being able to lawyer up beforehand, if if it's possible, is a lot better than just turning yourself in or letting them catch you. Yeah, because if you're in jail, they like try to stress you out and to the point where as soon as you're in front of a judge, you just take whatever, right? Exactly. Yeah. So I had a lot more. I, I was able to. I had more time to like think about you know what to do. So. I see the judge and I basically um, there's a lot of misconceptions like the I, I, the point that I went to court is when um, news outlets and like fascists began to leak my information. Right. So um, they post this like like this tweet saying that she immediately got her $20,000 bond paid. Like she's so rich, but the reality of the situation with federal prison um, and the federal system is that there is no cash bail. There's no cash bond. Mm -hmm. So it's not 10% and you pay it. It is the full amount that you pledge to pay. So someone can put up property, someone can, you know, show that they have this money in their bank account, whatever that may be. So I ended up having somebody be able to put up their house as collateral. Oh, wow. Um, Yeah. So that was like super stressful. And so I was out on bond on a 20 K bond for painting a wall. And at that point, um, I was just in limbo. I was on pretrial and me and my lawyer start meeting up trying to work out a deal. The deal that they first came with was two years probation 
Um, and I was like, hell no, like I'll take a year of probation. I like, let's try to push them for a year of probation. And then they ended up coming with a year of probation, 30 days in prison. And this all just felt ridiculous to me because all I did was tag the courthouse. Like, yeah, it was completely absurd. It's a ticketable offense. It's, it was a, it was originally a felony property destruction charge, but through my plea deal, I was able to get down to a misdemeanor. Now, I think that like what's really important for people to understand is that, yeah, no, if I thought this would happen, of course I wouldn't have tagged the courthouse, right? Like in retrospect, like do I regret it though? I mean, I think you have to look at the whole situation, right? In context. Like at the end of the day, there was a lot of property destruction that happened that day. And there was a lot of things that were constantly happening. And it was just a symptom of the greater movement. It was a a one-off, oh, I'm just going to go tag something. It wasn't something that like was this individual like attack against the United States, like a, like me alone doing something, right? Right. It was a large group of people trying to make political movement. And I was just, you know, trying to put the cherry on top, you know, add some artistry to it. Um, and at that point, you know, I'd been beaten by the police. I'd watched, you know, family members lose their, you know, sons, lose their boyfriends to police violence. I had seen so many horrible things and there was a lot of anger. There was a lot of anger within everyone, you know, and we're seeing the homies up in Portland just getting absolutely like destroyed, like. There was a lot of um, just tension at that point. So things, of course, like boiled to a head in that way. Um, So I ended up getting a really bad judge. So the judge that I had was going to give me time no matter what. Regardless on if we had the plea deal and we said, okay, it's just two years probation, no jail time. She was going to give me that 30 days no matter what. Um, And she, she... charged me $8,000, like eight, I think it's 8250 mm. in restitution fees, right? So that's for the damage cost. Jesus <laughs> Christ. <laughs> so yeah, I guess it costs over $8,000 to pressure wash a wall. Yeah, or just fucking paint over it. Yeah, so I actually have the document, <clears throat> and it's really interesting because they have... Um, like an itemized receipt of like how much um, damage was caused to the building in general that day, uh-huh. like all the broken windows, whatever, whatever. And then there's a separate receipt that is a, in a different font, like a totally separate receipt that has my charge, right? Which the, has the, oh, it cost us $8,000 to pressure wash the wall. Now, in order for something to constitute felony property destruction, it has to be over a certain amount. I believe over 8,000. So what I think is that they just kind of like told some pressure washing company, like, hey, charge us 8,000 instead yeah, of your normal fee. Right. Can you get it over that number? So it fucking affects the God, man, the fucking legal system. Yeah, because it was like bullshit. not even on the same receipt with all the other damage. Like they literally gave a separate one. So I saw that and I realized, you know, what they were doing. I realized there was really no way I was going to fight this case. Um, and another reason I realized I couldn't fight the case is that they had a document like an inch thick, at least of pictures from my cell phone that they had taken when I got arrested a few months after the original incident, they had, they were able to break into your phone. Yeah. So they broke into my phone 
That's crazy. Yep. I, I thought that was like very difficult to do. I yeah. So <clears throat> they basically they had the federal the the feds LAPD and LASD were all working together and communicating on my case. So they hired a handwriting specialist <laughs> to try to match up um, different tags that they believed were me. Right. Mm -hmm. So they show me up. They, they slap a bunch of pictures of a person dressed in all black with a mask and a hat on. What a waste of tax dollars. <laughs> like what a waste of tax dollars. And also like, it's such a flimsy case. Even the handwriting specialist says like, you know, I can't confirm or deny whether this is the same person because it's just a fucking graffiti tag. Yeah. So they're accusing me of spray painting on multiple occasions. So I got charged with a one count federal property destruction. But on the state level, the state is now accusing me of multiple counts of federal uh, of state property destruction. Right. And, and they're trying to say, well, this person in black with a mask and a hat spray painting is also you. And I didn't plead guilty to any of that. And I, that's, they, they can't confirm that someone is me when there's like no identifying characteristics whatsoever. Right. Even the handwriting specialist is like, I can't say this is all the same person doing these same tags, but the feds basically went to the LESD station and they got the phone from the LESD station. So they took my phone and then they decided to go through it. I'm sure they enjoyed the pictures on that phone. Right. I'm sure they had a grand old time. <laughs> Imagining them going through like my, I mean, I think anyone could relate to, to what insane just bullshit is in the average fucking person under 100 years old's phone right now. You know, it's all memes. Yeah, they're like looking at all these memes. Yeah. <laughs> so many memes, you know. Just like shit posts. Yeah, no, it's really funny. One of the pictures they had in the evidence against me was like a picture, like it was like a photo shoot I did of just like cute pictures of me standing in front of um, a wall that had graffiti on it. And they're trying to be like, <laughs> see, like this is evidence. It's the same uh, like handwriting. It wasn't yeah. even my graffiti. It was someone else's graffiti. <laughs> so it was just like, it just shows how completely inept they are, right? Mm -hmm. Like. They hire this handwriting specialist. The handwriting specialist doesn't um, doesn't confirm anything, but they still are trying to say, oh, this is all the same person, right? They brought in the body so, language expert that they used on Bernie Sanders four years yeah, ago. Yeah, right? Like, <laughs> it's complete bullshit. You're, like, analyzing which hands I'm using and, like, what color my socks are at different times. Like, it, it's just so ridiculous. Like, and it makes no sense how they're putting so much effort into this. But during this time... That they're doing all of this. This is the the federal task force um, for uh, protecting government property, right? Uh -huh. At this same time, there are people having Trump rallies in Beverly Hills, and people like Baked Alaska, the right wing streamer who literally took a photo on Nancy Pelosi's desk during the January sixth insurrection. Right. He's free. He's walking around, right? Nobody's like worried about him. Nobody's coming for him. Um, they're too busy focusing on someone like me who I, at this time I was literally just like doing mutual aid. Like I wasn't doing nothing. I wasn't a threat to the, I mean, I guess that's more of a threat to the system, right? Is doing mutual aid and giving people free food. But yeah, like for some reason, some crazy reason, <laughs> maybe because the government's racist and fascist. Yeah. They just, 
really care about Black Lives Matter protesters more than uh, anything else. So, yeah. yeah, they had a lot of pictures, screenshots from Twitch streams, uh, things like that, where, you know, people who maybe didn't even have bad intentions had been filming these protests and their footage ended up being used against uh, people who are leftists. So I think that's like something to really like take into account. I just wish people would like, just turn your fucking camera off at the protest, especially if things are starting to get spicy. Like you don't need to film somebody doing a tag, you know, like that's, it's not going to benefit anybody. And it's definitely like, it can be used against people in court, even if it wasn't me. Right. Yeah. Even though these are just random people doing tags. Now that's being compiled and they're saying, oh, this was you, this was you this time. And, you know, absolute bullshit. It's kind of a tricky one because, like, there is some degree to which filming the cops doing horrible shit during this is, like, the whole point. But I guess you just have to be really careful to keep everything in frame or something like that. Yeah, well, film the cops, exactly, not the protesters. I think that's the problem is I think a lot of people are kind of going out there trying to get, like, their cool street photography footage of, like, people busting into cop cars and like doing tags and stuff. And it's like, nah, like film the police, like film what they're doing. You know, there's a time that I got like sexually assaulted by LAPD during a protest. And I wish people had been filming that instead of filming whoever was doing a tag that day. Right. Right. So I, I definitely think, you know, people sometimes get mad at like, you know, anti-fascists who like go and like bust up people's cameras. And I totally understand that because I, I really like I think that leftist journalism is super important, but yeah, people got to know time and place for sure, for sure. Yeah. Uh, and n- streaming was the big problem because people who are streaming live, you got the feds watching those streams. Like, I know people make a lot of jokes online, like, ha, fed, like, least obvious fed, but like, not for real. Like, the feds are right. on there. They've got like TikTok accounts, like. They're completely trying to sow like distrust within leftist communities. And um, you know, like they just like banned Hassan on um Twitch recently, but like th- there's like all these people who are like spreading literal Nazi propaganda on Twitch, and the the it's the feds who are in charge of like um what is it, like the internet? I, I can't remember the name of the organization, but there's like a federal organization that like is in charge of like if people like pirating videos online stuff like that and they're completely disinterested in like nazi propaganda they're completely disinterested in Mm. these like actual threats to quote-unquote democracy but they will sit there on twitch and watch like streams of protests for hours long to try to get like a glimpse of someone doing like a minor crime like it's really pathetic yeah (laughs) they've really got nothing better to do um But yeah, so there was just like a ridiculous amount of like they had for two years been documenting every single thing that they thought could have had anything to do with me. Um, And (coughs) unfortunately, even though I haven't been convicted of those crimes, that was in my pre-sentencing report, which was what was given to the judge. So even though I'm not convicted of these crimes because it was used as evidence against me, the judge still sees that. So I couldn't go up to the stand and be like, you know, I plead not guilty to this one instance or I plead guilty to this one instance. I'm basically being 
implicated into all these other crimes that I'm not pleading guilty to, that I'm not guilty of. Um, and this judge is a right winger. She is not happy. Right. So judges are a real fucking problem in like the entire legal system because they just like can't be um, what do you call it? Like recalled and stuff like that. And they skew so far. Right. They're usually what fucks you. Yeah. No, this lady's like ancient. So we get up there. And when I finally I'm going to turn myself in, I we make the plea deal. I take the year and 30 days because I'm like, if I take that two years, they're still going to give me 30 days either way. You know, my, my lawyer, because I got a public defender, so she knew the system a little bit. You know, I couldn't afford no private lawyer. I can barely, I'm $8,000 in debt to the federal government at this point. So I'm like, you know, I I already am having a hard time fundraising that. So there's no way I could have afforded a private lawyer. But I think in some ways, public defenders are dope because they know the system really well. They know the judges really well. They've been around. So I go in there. And I, you know, plead guilty. I take the plea deal misdemeanor so that I don't have a felony on my record. Um, I turn myself in that day. Um, and the judge straight up says, even though we made a plea deal with the U.S. attorney, the judge says, well, I don't think 30 days is enough. I don't think that 30 days is enough for her to learn her lesson because she didn't just tag the courthouse this one time. She has all these other instances of vandalism. Mind you, instances I haven't been charged of. Yeah. So at that point, like, I, I'm not going to argue with the judge in court. Like, that's not going to go well for me. So I just, you know, keep my mouth shut. And my lawyer says, you know, we understand that. But um, I think this, my, my lawyer is like, I think this will be a harrowing experience for her either way. Like, she's just trying to convince the judge that it's going to be horrible for me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, that's what the that's fucking what judge want. wants. Want weird old sadistic thing, you know? Oh, yeah. No, she was mad. She was like, because so <laughs> this is a funny detail. So I had my hearings in the courthouse that I vandalized. <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty cool. <laughs> so I'm like, and there, it's really funny. There was like a condition in the original um, in my pre-sentencing trial, which was a different judge. And the condition was... um to stay away from the victim or whatever, not to have contact with the victim. And the, the pre-sentencing judge, he was a lot more like lenient. And he says in front of the court, he's like, um, I'm not sure if the victim is the U.S. government. I'm not really sure how she's supposed to stay away from the U.S. government or the courthouse. <laughs> yeah. Or stay away from that building, like the one you're in right now? Crazy. Yeah, the one that I have to go to for all my court dates. <laughs> yeah, that shit was laughable. But so, yeah, I, I turned myself in um, and that day I went straight in. You know, she ended up accepting the 30 days uh, since she was convinced that it was going to be horrible enough for me. And so, yeah, that's when, like, my prison sentence started. It was uh, it was pretty fucking surreal to be in federal prison on a misdemeanor vandalism charge. Yeah, like sure. you're a terrorist. <laughs> What? Yeah. So like, that's what they were trying to frame it as. Like I saw in the report that they had originally tried to put me on for conspiracy to riot. Uh -huh. So they're trying to, they were trying to pin somebody down with conspiracy to riot on that day. As if like, what, who's like, no one's conspiring. Like you can't, I mean, you know, the riot it, it, is like can't. in nature kind of spontaneous. So it's like a crazy thing to even accuse someone <laughs> yeah. of. 
Yeah, like someone's like rounding everyone up, like, all right, Antifa, let's go. Like, <laughs> time to go break into the, like, let's do like attack now. Like, it's not a fucking military, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. And, and conspiracy is a hard charge because it's like, you can't really prove it, but you also can't really disprove it. So, I'm really glad that, you know, I didn't end up getting stuck with anything worse. I'm honestly super great. Being in prison made me really grateful in a lot of ways for how luck it's like, it's two sides of the same coin where it's absolutely fucking ridiculous that I was even in prison in the first place that I was even going through any of this. But at the same time, I was in there with girls who were getting 15 years for like selling like one pill, you know, just absolutely psycho type sentences, people who weren't guilty of their crimes, but you know, their boyfriends threw them under the bus. And like, that's a big thing in women's prison is, um, a lot of women are just in there because they had like a shitty abusive man in their life and he didn't care about her well-being. And instead of taking just being a man and taking the one for the team, you know, and be owning up to what he did, they implicate their girlfriends and these girls end up like rotting in feds, like for real. Damn. Um, there was a lot of like weird. So like, obviously no, none of the guards are wearing masks. Like they don't give a shit about COVID. Right. But they still put us in a five-day isolation so like literally being isolated for five days locked in your cell 24 7 like they let us out once to shower per week so in that five days i only got out to shower one time they didn't honor they didn't honor my uh dietary restrictions so i've been vegetarian like my whole entire life Uh um never ate meat before so i can't eat me like it would make me really really sick if i were to i you know i have a couple times on accident yeah but so it took so long for my dietary restriction like approval to go through and it was bizarre because a lot of other people who weren't even vegetarian like they were getting theirs approved but so they're giving me these meals and these meals are not like i'm only able to pretty much eat apples like most of the time it's a sack and it's just a ham and cheese sandwich and an apple. Oh, I've had the sack. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the sack. Yeah. But so at that, you know, normally, like if I'm in jail for like one day, like I'm just not going to eat. But I was fucking starving. And like all I was eating was apples for days. And then they start bringing us the hot trays and it's still, it's like a hamburger. So I'm just eating like lettuce and bread. And I, I tell them, I'm like, you know, it's for dietary reasons. I try saying it's for religious reasons. Like they just did not give a shit. And it's just funny. It's ironic that they really are not protecting people from COVID. They're not wearing masks. They're not cleaning anything. Obviously, it's absolutely filthy in jail. Yeah. Um, but then they're still doing this inhumane thing of putting people in isolation <coughs> for, you know, five days at a time. Was the isolation thing a COVID regulation originally? And they just, yeah. they just repurposed it to be torture? That's fucking crazy. Pretty much. It's like you literally are getting put in shoe for like, just being in jail like the minute that you come in they throw you into isolation and like people start to feel crazy like of course we start to feel crazy and then what happens is if if you show any kind of emotion in there the guards will literally write what's called a behavior report and they'll say you know like they're behaving erratically whatever whatever like i don't think they should be released into the general population yet so they can keep you in there for longer yeah if you you know if you start to act out in in their mind um so, um, eventually, you know, I got released from there and to be totally honest, like the girls men were pretty cool. Like, I, you know, a lot of the women in there were like, 
I didn't have a single problem. I think so many people are like, oh, I'm scared of jail because like, what about all the crazy people who are going to be in there and like whatever, whatever. Like, nah, like I was homies with everybody in there except for like the chomos, you know, there, there was a couple pedos in there that, you know, I didn't fuck with. Sure. But um, yeah, it was like, it was honestly like, it sucked, but the the only really bad part about prison is the systematic injustices. Like the people in there are for the most part, you know, just innocent people who were wrong place, wrong time, or who are being criminalized for using drugs, or there's a lot of people in there for mail fraud, which I thought was kind of funny. Like <laughs> for like stealing mail. <laughs> I guess that's how you end up in like federal prison. It's like a federal thing. Yeah, yeah. That's it it was interesting. Um Thank God I wasn't in there with any of the January 6th people or nothing. That would have been a problem. <laughs> I mean, were there a lot of women at J6? I know there were a few, but I think it's skewed, dude. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> that male aggression. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The conditions in there, though, were pretty messed up. So the food wasn't hot. They weren't honoring people's dietary restrictions. Eventually, after like a couple weeks, my it went through and everything and the girls in there were so nice they were sliding peanut butter under the door into my cell for me and you know giving books because the first day if if those girls hadn't given me books like as i'm walking in they're like running after me trying to make sure i have books so that i didn't um because if i hadn't if they hadn't helped me out like really community is everything in prison um and if they hadn't helped me out i would have been stuck in there with no books nothing like just staring at the wall yeah and they wouldn't give me my medication you know, I was asking for trazodone, which is like a sleeping pill that I take. They weren't giving it to me until like the like third or fourth day. So I was just like lying awake constantly. And yeah, it was not, it was definitely like torture. Like it, it quite literally is torture, like under the Geneva Convention, like, you know, no country should be doing this to people, especially for no reason. Like, right. you know, to throw people in shoe for no reason is crazy. But yeah, um, I've uh, I've been in uh, jail for like a week at a time and it, the sol- solitary it's crazy because on paper it doesn't sound that bad but people tell you it's like it's worse than like uh, physical forms of torture like it's just the human mind is not meant to be fucking alone that long um, I've also I don't know if I mentioned this uh, <laughs> but I also I was rated I was uh, investigated by Homeland Security uh, years ago over a joke so I've all this whole story i'm catching all the beats i've been there i understand (laughs) it was it was um it was dhs for me too so they're really bored huh yeah no they got nothing to do (laughs) i mean yeah the department of homeland security was literally like created by trump after 9-11 and like all they do is like harass immigrants and people who are leftists like that's literally all they're good for yeah no it's a completely (laughs) absurd thing that does not need to exist at all over a joke is crazy. You just say something funny on the internet and they're like, all right, like, let's go in. Yep. <laughs> Showed up to my damn apartment. <sighs> Psycho. Yeah, but yeah, pretty much I think all I want to say about MDC, Metropolitan Detention Center in Los Angeles, especially the female wing, the women are, it's a very small female wing and they get treated, they, they don't get the same stuff as the men. Like the men have more things on their commissary they have a lot more resources. And I think part of that is because within men's prison, there's a history of prison riots, right? So I think that Mm. they realize, like, if we don't give these dudes, you know, basic human necessities, they're going to riot on us. They're going to hunger strike, you know, they're going to make movement. But 
I think they just expect like women to just sit there and take it like the rest of society does, you know? Yeah. They, the ice machine broke. So everyone was just having to drink like warm tap water. And when the ice machine broke, you could see on the bottom of the ice machine that there was straight up black mold. Like, oh yeah. I know all about that shit. A bartender. I deal with ice machines all the time. You gotta clean those fuckers yeah. out. <laughs> yeah. So they just like let us have the black mold ice machine like they didn't even attempt to clean it um i was in jail with a woman who was eight months pregnant oh my god by the end of my sentence uh she was my cellmate so one night she wakes me up at 4 a.m she's like girl i'm having contractions i was like what oh my god <laughs> like, i was like you're having contractions right now <laughs> like she has she had like five other kids so you know when you've had a lot of kids your labor goes a lot quicker so by the time she started having contractions, it was like, we need to go right now, right? So I'm like banging on the on the window of the cell. And we had had a situation where um, someone else, her name was Norma. She, uh, she was like prone to seizures and she would like literally be having a seizure in the middle of the night. And the, the emergency workers wouldn't come for like five, 10 minutes. Which is the same thing that happened when my celly was like giving birth. Like they didn't come forever. They finally take her to the hospital. She is one week left, right? When she gives birth. Yeah. Instead of just letting her go home, they bring her back. No. They take her baby. They like her husband. They, they won't even let her husband pick up the baby until after she's gone. So she has to give birth alone in a room full of cops. Yeah. The cop asks to hold the baby, the warden went in there and asked to hold the baby. What the what? fuck? Like, what the fuck? Like, it's so insane. Like, she's like, oh, so cute. Like, can I hold her? Oh, what? fuck off. My God. <laughs> but so, yeah, they made her go back and finish, like, the last three days of her sentence. And they wouldn't even let her husband pick up the baby until after she left the hospital. And she comes back, like, of course, like, crying in pain. You know, she has to, like, pump, like, using this, like, horrible breast pump. And, um, yeah, they ended up, instead of releasing her to her house, they released her to a halfway house. And they didn't even tell her that. She was there on a violation, on a probation violation. They sentenced her to 30 days while she's eight months pregnant. So that's just, like, you know, that's that's how they move. And I think that being in there just really opened my eyes to like the conditions that people are dealing with and the lack of um, the lack of compassion for all inmates, but especially female inmates, you know, like they really don't think about women when they design prisons. They think of it as it, it's something for men and the women are just completely an afterthought, especially at MDC. So man, women I... can be criminals too. Okay. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Such a compounded, like, um, misogynistic thing to be like wait oh yeah prisons from they're for men wait no that's bad too you're like the whole thing's just bad yeah, like, <laughs> yeah prisons are for nobody right they shouldn't be for anybody <laughs> oh my yeah. god wow okay so that is fucking bananas i'm so sorry that all happened to you um Good. To, I mean, it's it fucking illuminating though to hear. I don't know what the fuck it's like inside a women's prison. Uh, I assumed bad, but I didn't know in what specific ways. And um, yeah. Uh, but the whole point of this, right, is that you have um, you still owe money, right? Yeah. So we were able to raise um, 
almost 5,000. I um, used a little bit of that money on um, other like legal expenses that I had to pay. And like um, whenever I was incarcerated for a month, I had to pay rent for that month. So I ended up paying um, 4,000 already. So I still owe 4,000. And I would um, prefer obviously not to be paying off restitution for the rest of my life. So I'm trying to raise it as much as I can. Um, you know, I, I don't want to say what I do for work, but I work, you know, a low level job, um, focused on, you know, helping, you know, you know, my life is more about like helping people and than it is like trying to make a bunch of money. So yeah, basically like they won't let me take out a credit card. They won't let me like, while I'm on probation, I can't travel without permission. I can't open a line of credit for some reason. And I have to pay like a minimum amount of this restitution every single month for the rest of my life until I pay this off. So the sooner I pay it off, the sooner the government's off my back. Um, So yeah, I paid 4,000 already and I was able, thank God, to be able to um, be able to get my rent paid for that month while I was in prison since I completely like lost all that income. You know, it, it totally messed me up. I lost my job. I had to get a new job as soon as I got out. Right. Um, but yeah, so we threw an event already, which helped us raise a little bit of money. Um, we're throwing another event. Um, I have a GoFundMe set up. Uh, yeah. So anything that people want to do, you know, I obviously appreciate it. And if we end up having anything left over, um, that money is going to go straight back into the community. I'm not going to keep any extra money, you know, um, you know, we're just trying to meet our goal right now so that I can, you know, finally put this behind me, you know, getting out of jail and then going straight into like probation and all these stipulations sucks. So, yeah, I um, I have my GoFundMe um, and then there's going to be an event on March 11th in Los Angeles. If anybody's in L.A., it's going to be really cool, like variety show with like a bunch of different musicians, like jazz, punk, singer songwriters, like all different kinds of stuff um vendors like we're kind of creating a space for like local vendors to be able to show off everything um BIPOC queer focus like the vendors and the artists are all just kind of um super cool like local artists that we just want to like be able to uh um like right like lift up and just kind of empower what you know well like we want to give something back I don't want to just be like oh then I do my GoFundMe help me out you know I wanted to I wanted to do something to help the community um as long as I'm going to be asking for help from the community. You know what I mean? Sure. Totally. That's very, uh, very honorable of you. Um, uh, cool. Well, I'll have all that stuff linked in the show notes. Cause I know I have listeners in LA and stuff and I, there's a lot of people listening. So hopefully we can help you out with some of that money. And, um, yeah. Anything else before we wrap this up? Um, anything else you want to promote or anything? Not really. All I gotta say is, you know, fuck the police, fuck the feds. <laughs> uh, you're breaking up a little bit, but if anyone didn't hear that, that was <clears throat> fuck the police <laughs> and fuck the feds. All right. And everybody, you know, stay safe out there. Make sure you lock up, you know, just cover your tracks. The, they're watching, you know, they turned us up to the Miami Ring. So they're, they're watching. You gotta just, you gotta remember that you are never crazy for thinking that the feds. <laughs> yeah they probably are especially if you're you know one of us uh 
in our circles. Um, okay. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Um, all right. I'm going to stop recording. All right. Uh, that was our interview with our friend who um, needs your help and could use it. So please, again, donate to their GoFundMe. Come out to that live event in L.A. if you're an L.A. comrade. Um, and, yeah, I think that's it for the week. We did it, boys. That's right. Yeah. Real quick, as as of this uh, broadcast, this podcast, not broadcast, um, <laughs> it looks like Sean Fain, the reform candidate, is in the lead for UAW presidency uh, by, like, 700-some votes, which is pretty clutch. But that'd be cool if he won. UAW, that's like a wrestling thing? <laughs> I it's know the Esperanto Association <laughs> of the world. No more Esperanto. <laughs> it makes sense in Esperanto, Jake. <laughs> no, I I know Sean Payne is okay. Uh, cool. All right, that's your one podcast broadcast update. Yes, I love Sean Fain's work in Ireland. <laughs> right. That's I was gonna. I was thinking of making that joke earlier too. Yeah. Well, I beat you there. Oh, I literally now I'm reaping the glory. (laughs) (laughs) All the money is mine. (laughs) I set it up for you, really. What if there was a podcast, but it was only for bros, and it was called the Broadcast, and it was a broadcast? You see what I'm saying there? I'm sorry. Oh, I have words on the brain given that we were talking about Esperanto. It's such a big episode for words. I will do a plug, actually, now that you mention it. (laughs) <laughs> um, and here's my plug. It's thank you to everyone who donated to Theater of Delights because we did make the the funding goal right by the buzzer. They said we couldn't do it. They said it couldn't be done. Well, guess what? It is done, and now we're doing more Theater of Delights. Uh, it, you understood you like- me when I said that. I said that in Esperanto. I figured you wouldn't get it, but I was saying Yeah, that. well, thank you, Anders, for saying that as well. And in addition... My plug this week is for my Quora podcast coordinators because uh, it's going to be two months until Theater of the Lights comes out. Okay, that's it. Uh, at Andersley here on Twitter. Thank you to everybody who came out to paid protest. We raised around 600 bones for, that's dollars, for the <laughs> Union Power Campaign in NYCDSA. Uh, and uh, yeah, check me out on Instagram too, Dursley1. And stay on the lookout for the next paid protest. Um, if you are my stalker uh, or you're another person that wants to follow me to a show and try to kill me, um, I'm going to be performing on the 25th of March at a uh, town hall following Kristen Gonzalez. And uh, there'll be some music and me. They're doing a variety show type thing. I told them it's a bad wow. idea and they booked me anyway. So uh, come on out. Especially you really taxi driver the shit out of that event. <laughs> God damn. Um... Yeah. Palantine <laughs> <laughs> uh, ah! will be speaking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's my plug. That's the show I have coming up. I have other stuff. Um, if you're a person who's going to come to every one of my shows, that's one of them. There's more. Um, Jesus Christ. Uh, my life is insane. Okay. I think that's it. Oh, my listen to my other podcast, Why You Mad. I'm at Feral Jokes and Everything. You know that. Uh, yeah, it's it's how do we say it's finished in Esperanto? Uh, count of three, everyone. One, two, three. Ashusinzo. <laughs> okay.
Hold on, Anders yes. actually looked it up, and here's how you say it's finished in Esperanto. G estas finita. G estas finita. 